Hello, everyone. Welcome to our conversation, God and Life Stories, from pain to passion to purpose to peace. And I'm happy to say hello to Dan. He's a friend of a friend, and we just met briefly, but we clicked. We were just like old bodies and maybe old souls connected, new in this lifetime. And Dan has a family. He's married to beautiful kids. He owns a business. He's going to tell us a little bit more about it. And Dan also served in the Navy for eight years and was on a submarine, right, Dan? Yes, I was, Bettina. I was on the USS Maine Gold um, SSBN 741, and I did six patrols on that, on that boat. Oh, what does that mean? Sorry, what does it mean, six patrols? Like, you were under... Like yes, I went under. Um, these patrols were right at around 90 days, a little bit less than that. So uh, significantly shorter than a lot of the patrols that the rest of the Navy is used to taking. A lot of their deployments are a lot longer. But the patrols we were on were about about three months. But that's three months of pretty much no sunlight, very little you know, outside communication with the rest of the world, and a pretty interesting uh, environment. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I can't imagine. So, so how many people are on one of the submarines? Like the ships I was on were right at around 165 um, crew members. So, uh, not very many. Although the, the ships I was on, the boats I was on, the submarines were a larger classification of submarines because they they hold the nuclear weapons. So um, they have 24 missiles that hold multiple nuclear warheads. One missile weighs about 130,000 pounds. So this is a pretty large submarine. Um, and, but again, it's still pretty crowded. There's like nine guys in a bunk room. So it's wow. very, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to, to imagine. But um, and not, no sunlight. You know, if we don't, as people, if, as we don't get sunlight, that, I mean, we're prone to depression. Was there any, anything like that going on? Or? Um, you know, there's a lot of stress underway because one, you're leaving your families um, and there's a huge break in communication with them. So, um, you know, depression, I'm sure it could have been diagnosed clinically at a large scale, but um, the truth is, you know, we were pretty mission focused and we had a really good uh, command and, you know, it was a lot of camaraderie and um, everyone's pretty patriotic. We kind of knew what we were getting into. It takes a special kind of person to commit to that. So yes. um, were there people that were depressed? I'm sure of it, but it wasn't something that we, yeah. we really talked a lot about, you know, unfortunately. So we, we had different ways of coping with it. I, I worked out a lot with uh, weight training. I did, I did a lot of physical weight training to kind of relieve some of the issues <laughs> I was having. <laughs> wow. Wow. So Dan, um, and you're married, you have two beautiful kids. I saw a video, a daughter who is how old? She just turned 10, my daughter Marilyn, and my son will be seven in three days. So on Thursday, he's going to turn seven. Yeah. And not a lot of people know this, but Angela is expecting. And so we're actually going to have another Oh, one. my God. Come Very on. few people now, now know that until this gets published. That'll be a surprise, you know, unfailing. Well, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. That's wonderful. Wonderful. But, I mean, your kids know. So 
They do. And, yeah. and my mom and dad and a couple key yeah. important people in our lives. So oh, I'm always so excited when the new baby is on the way. <laughs> great. So, I mean, this is like a great beginning of a conversation in terms of knowing and what wonderful space and, 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 and life situation life you are. And then as we're talking about God and life stories, from pain to passion to purpose to peace. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your pain? Sure. Uh, yeah. The pain that you transformed with the help of a higher power. Uh, I don't even know, do you call it God? Do you call it higher power? We all have different words for the same love yeah. in our lives. Right. Good, good, um, good word. Yeah. So I am very comfortable with any term. It depends on who I'm talking with. And I really, I try to be, um, aware of what they're comfortable with just so that I'm able to communicate and connect deeply with them. And so I, I, I usually use the word God, but if I, if I'm talking with someone that I know is a little bit more agnostically inclined, I will speak in terms of higher power. Cause for me, yeah. you know, my journey to be comfortable with the word God was, wasn't uh, an overnight thing. It was a slow progression to where I, I over time, became more and more open-minded to the power that I rely deeply upon now and, and refer to as God in my mm -hmm. life. So, but I like how you said that love, because to me, that's really, that is the common denominator. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's what I love. I mean, and I, I spell it capital L, you know, it's the love. Yeah. So tell us about your pain, about sure. where did you start out um, in your journey? So, I was, I am the oldest of four children and I grew up in a really good home. Um, I don't think I quite knew how good until I got us to see the alternative in a lot of up close personal ways. But growing up, I had a lot of love in our home. My parents are still married to this day. Um, they did a, a wonderful job raising us, but I think I, I had some mild resentment because there was four of us and we were all within a very short period of time. So Growing up, you know, I, I didn't feel like I maybe got as much attention or love as I necessarily wanted. But regardless, um, from a young age, I did get involved in uh, to using alcohol and some drugs that immediately helped relieve me of some negative feelings that I think I had probably early, early on. And I, I don't really think I ever dealt with those until many years later. So, um in that I developed an addiction to mind altering anything pretty much, but specifically alcohol. I really had a aversion to that. And, and then later found out that was a pretty common theme in our family. So there was other people in our family mm -hmm. that struggled with alcohol addiction. Um, but that brought me some pain. And um, at the age of 17, I, I totaled a car in a blackout. So I was very intoxicated and I got behind the wheel of, a, of a, my, my car at the time. Um, and I drove it. And I didn't know this at the time I was in a blackout, like I said, where, wow. uh, where you're, you're wide awake, but you, you don't really know that. Um, yeah. So there were periods of time that I would just be unaware that, that I was conscious, but uh, I drove that car into a, a huge ditch or ravine and I totaled the car and I knocked out three of my front teeth and I split my bottom lip in half and uh, had to get taken to the emergency room. Almost died. It was a, if you just saw the pictures of the car, it was really kind of remarkable that I lived through that accident. Um, 
So that was a lot of pain, you know, not only physical pain, but coming to terms with, I mean, at 17 years old, having, having done that to your, your myself, you know, um, ruined my, my smile, my face, my car, um, in my opinion, kind of ruined my whole life. I mean, at that, at the age of 17, you know, a lot of things kind of revolve around your ability to smile and, you know, drive a car. And, yes. and so I was, I was devastated and it, it was humbling and it was also a really, really good experience because it, it drove me to the point of desperation where I was willing to do some things that I wouldn't probably have been willing to do otherwise. And, and, and a lot of those things had to do with the belief in a higher power. So up to that point, I had never really been exposed to prayer or meditation or really anything spiritual. I mean, my mother was raised very Catholic. My father was raised very Mormon. Um, and, and I think they both did a, a really good job of attempting to expose me to different spiritual truths. But um, for whatever reason, I, I didn't, it didn't really take hold until I, I needed it to. And at that point in my life, I really needed a spiritual solution to some, some issues that I was having, some pain that I was having. So I was connected to some people that um, had a God in their life that was working for them. And they helped me to kind of, they shared their own story with, with me, which is really why I'm doing this is because that helped me tremendously to hear the pain that they had been through. Um, and so, you know, fast forward about eight years later, I had, I had joined the Navy and had a pretty successful career in there. I'd gotten married. Um, but you know, through some other life happenings, I went, found myself going through a divorce and again, was at a, a huge point of pain where I was having to, you know, deal with the loss of, of a divorce. I didn't have children with my ex-wife, but um, nonetheless, it was a devastating, you know, time of my life. And again, the silver lining was that the pain of that situation drove me to a new understanding in my connection with a higher power or, or my God. Um, so definitely back into the prayer, back into the meditation, um, connecting with people. Did um, you so feel at any point there uh, that like people feel that God has forsaken them or was there anything like it where you were asking God, where are you in this? Good question. Um, you know, for me, there wasn't, I, I was really open to the, well, I don't know how to explain it other than the way I was introduced to God is that God or, or my higher power, which I was really invited to kind of develop my own conception of a higher power. So when I did that, my God or the, my conception of a higher power was all love and all forgiving. And there was no ounce of um, that in my God, that, that, that my God would ever forsake me for anything, you know, my God. So, so it was clear to me that all the, the devastation in my life, all the pain in my life had been self-induced, that there was no God you know, in heaven looking down going, oh, let me test him or let me, you know, it was all stuff that I, choices that I made, usually based on self, based in fear that placed me in a position to be hurt. And I, I did that over and over and over again, and probably will continue to do that to some degree. You know, I'd like to think I'm making some progress here and learning. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I never did really, really 
find myself in a situation wondering why me? I kind of knew pretty much that, you know, I was the one, all the, the good in my life, it was easy for me to give that to God and to say that that was of God and that was of love. But everything else I could pretty clearly see that was of fear and that was self-centered and that was me getting in the way of what I'd like to think is God's will for me. Yeah. But you said something there, Dan, um, that I just read a book or I'm starting to read a book by um, Dr. Evie Eager and she's a, an Auschwitz survivor. Uh, the book is called The Gift. So, so she's saying if we are stuck in like victim behavior, right? I'm the victim. Then we ask, why me? And I know that feeling when I was younger, it was always why me. And, but she said, instead of asking the question, why me? And that's what you're doing. You're asking what now? Not mm -hmm. why me, but this happened. What now? How can I make the best out of it? That's what I heard you say. Yeah. And that's a really, really good point because I think that there are great examples all around most of us of that victim mentality. And I think that that's something that you know, whether it's conscious or not, that a lot of us can grow up and um, take on the victim mentality and, and yeah. have that mindset, um, which makes it really hard to get through life without wanting to blame either God or mom and dad or whoever it is. But you're right. I absolutely think it's a good, it's a good place to say, you know, it happened. What am I going to do about it now? Or, or better yet, what's the good in this? What can, what good can come of this? You know, yes. the truth is no matter how bad of a situation I think I'm in, there's always something good that can come of it for sure. So, so looking back and when you were saying about your divorce, um, so I know you're in a happy family now, my gosh, baby on the way, how much better can it get? So do you feel like you've learned from your, first marriage and what was going on there like that you're saying okay this is i'm promised myself i'm promised my wife my family uh, a different me oh yeah absolutely i think moving moving out of any situation of pain like that um that i've had and i've had a number of them but yeah i have i have been transformed and changed um that that whole situation has just prepared me to be a better husband and father today. And I'm grateful for it because you're absolutely right. It's, it's pretty easy for me to look at my life today and be grateful that I went through the divorce, not just because I wouldn't have ever been afforded the situation I'm in, but I couldn't show up today in the way that I can as a father and a husband without having been through the, the pain and the devastation and the loss from that, because it did allow me to take a really hard look at me and say, what, can, what improvements can I make? What changes can I make to, to ensure that I am put myself in a healthier relationship moving forward? Yeah, yeah. You know, Dan, I, and I, um, I, I'm not sure whether we talked about it before, but I had a divorce. I went through a divorce in 2014. And I know that a lot of um, Christians, you know, they're, they're being taught a divorce is a sin. You, you can't have a divorce. And I know, especially for a lot of women, they stay in abusive relationships. I mean, really, whether it's physical, emotional, verbal, because they think God does not want uh, for them to have a divorce. And I remember being um, in a very secluded, solitary place. And I never believed that, that God would you know, want us to be in an abusive um, relationship and stay in that. 
And I remember praying and really going within and meditating and I was doing some scripture reading. And, you know, I feel like I got an answer. I got an answer from God and that it's not, we think that every marriage is from God or ordained by God. And, you know, that might be wrong. It might have been me um, marrying somebody, but God wasn't in it. I mean, God isn't everything. I'm not saying, you know, God isn't every experience. But for me, it was very clear that I might have made the choice without God. Like it was the, the free will, the me will. Um, and it made it for me, I thought, you know what? That is a wonderful explanation, at least for me, that I knew all is wonderful. I get, got the most wonderful learning and gifts, and I'm in a wonderful relationship. I'm engaged, and I'm looking forward to getting married again. And I'm grateful for all that happened, like you were saying, because I learned a lot. And I also think that divorce um, is something that, that God is in it right so it's it's again it's transforming the pain from one relationship that wasn't right and learning and you know making a difference in the newer relationship so so dan so transforming your pain it looks like you're an amazing uh person an amazing man having all that wisdom so did that all come from your experience like early on in life? Like when you were 17, that was a, a big pain that you had to get through there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it did come through my own experience and my own pain. Although I will say that, you know, I've had a lot of people, I like to think of it as God placing certain people in my life. And, and so from that situation, uh, one, I mean, I have to definitely say my parents who were extremely supportive through all that and who helped me um, and still help me. They live with us today. Uh, we share, you know, they have an apartment attached to the side of our home. And so we share, uh, you know, they're still very, very uh, active in my life and helpful. But um, but yeah, after that accident, I had a number of people, my dad's brother, my uncle, Alan, he, he reached out and shared his own story with me. And it really helped place me on a a path, a healing path, and put, kind of set me in the right direction and introduced me to more people that were all about doing the same thing. And so, you know, I leveraged a lot of the wisdom that I, I think I'd like to say I, I have today. I leveraged it off other people and their story and their pain. Um, so getting in circles of people that would talk about when they, when they were my age at 17, 16, 15, drinking um, really alcoholically from a young age, and maybe they didn't, they weren't exposed to the idea of a better life that didn't involve alcohol. And they drank like that for 30 years. Well, just hearing their story kind of gave me permission to maybe do it a different way and seek out a solution that didn't involve alcohol from an early age. And so it was uncomfortable. But um, I think my biggest obstacle was my ego, you know, which I believe just tried to convince me that I was different or a little bit better than or not as good as, and it kept me apart from other people. And for me, I've always really felt like I need a God with skin on them. And I, I believe that God has spoke through people and, you know, books I've read and people I've been introduced to, they have really 
ministered to me just by hearing their story and getting to know them. I feel a connection and I feel a love and uh, I really have felt lifted up and inspired. And so when you talk about wisdom, you know, I, it's not just my experience that has, that's been a huge factor in breaking down my ego and opening up my mind to kind of listening to other people and, and hearing their story and then seeking out the solutions. Like you're very well read in your own. Um, and I like the fact that you're still reading, you know, talk about a new book you're reading. And I love the fact that you're still after all your education are pursuing more because that's what I do. I read every single morning and I meditate every morning and I still seek because the more I learn, the less I know. And I feel like it's a journey that we're all on together to help one another, you know, and that's all, that's all I'm trying to do is, is help other people um, get through their own pain and then turn it into uh, an ability to help others do the same. Wow. Um, I love, I love, there were two things. I love what you're saying for one, you're actually saying that what we're doing here is your passion is sharing your life story. Sure. And, um, and that I think it's, it's a powerful thing to do that sharing our story. And that was my idea about this series of life stories and God in life stories, because we can learn from other people and not have to do the same mistakes. Here's one thing that I loved how you said it. I, and I haven't heard that. I need a God with skin on it. I love that. Can you say more about that? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, when I was first exposed to the idea of a life that didn't include alcohol and, and see for me, alcohol was a solution to a lot of problems um, and, and any addiction, you know, you can look at it in terms of today. I think a lot of people um, can get addicted to their device, their, their little, um, you know, the screen time. And so there's a lot of different forms of addiction, but regardless, it becomes a way of coping with life that's not as healthy as other ways. So when I was first exposed to a spiritual solution, like I said, I was reluctant and a little bit closed-minded when it came to the idea of prayer and meditation. Um, so some of the people that I was hanging around with would, would share that, that idea that um, they need a God with skin on them because I could, I could listen to their stories and hear uh, spiritual truth in that or hear God in that. I could hear a love in that pain and it, it really helped me. And so when they would say that I need a God with skin on them, I would think, wow, me too, you know, and here I am. And it's, I wasn't placing anybody up on a pedestal. It wasn't like he's my God or she's my God, but it was this collective they, and it was this, the love that we all, that binds us all together. That was what I meant. And, and not every time people speak, but a lot of times when they share themselves and they get vulnerable and they're authentic and they really let it all hang out in terms of their own pain and then their own solution too. And they talk about their love for God or their uh, trust in God or their reliance upon God, that faith, you know, I would use that. Um, I would borrow that because I didn't have my own at the time. And so I would kind of need theirs to help me develop and cultivate my own understanding and my own trust and my own reliance upon God. So. Um, thank you. That, that, yeah, I'm, I, I will, I'll use that too. Uh, and, and you know, Dan, the, my understanding of God, of the higher power is really, um, I, I like the analogy of the sun. You know, if we see God as the sun and we are the rays, but that means, so we're not God, but we're coming from God and we're part of God. We can't exist without the sun, but but we're all in the race are not single. They're all connected. So mm. the God 
the God with skin on it are all the other rays. They are on this journey with me, right? Or the ocean. And mm. like God is the ocean and we are the drops in the ocean, you know? And I love that story too. We can't, we, we're not the ocean, but we're the drops and we're connecting and one drop goes into the next and the other and we're into bingle. And, and, and so I think we're all so much more connected than we know. Then, I mean, I think if we knew how deeply we're all connected, then um, it could be scary at times, I think, but also knowing that the pain somebody else has is my own pain. Do you know, it's not where our pains are connected. And as long as one person is in pain, we're all in pain. I think that, that to me, that is a truth, definitely. Absolutely. So. Um, Tell us about your meditation and prayer practice, because sure. we're, we're coming to the part of, you know, you were telling us how you transformed your pain and how you're make it, make it, made it your passion and your purpose and helping other people, um, you know, sharing your own pain and, and being vulnerable. I think that was something that, that I think is so important too. I mean, we can gloss things over and tell people that's how you do it. I did it. You can do it, but no. Being vulnerable, we're all on the way. Um, so tell us about the peace, like how you, your meditation, prayer practice, or physical, I don't know what you're doing, it's all connected. Sure. Um, how do you pray? Okay, so I, um, I think it's important to, to state that just over two years ago, I had a, a, a breakdown, a mental breakdown, a manic psychosis where I lost touch with reality and um, again, it was a result of some unhealthy lifestyle that I was living, uh, where I just, my diet was not good. I had stopped working out. I'd stopped doing the things I knew that were helping me to, um, improve. And I, for me, I've always believed that I'm either growing or I'm going, I'm either, I'm either getting better or I'm not getting, or I'm going, getting worse. And so, uh, that, that had happened for me. And I, again, I had that mental breakdown. I actually got, um, released from the facility I was at and then, almost two weeks later, I had another one. And um, it was while I was at that second facility that a woman came in and I wish I could remember her name, but she had been um, certified as an instructor in yoga. And ironically, my wonderful wife had been telling me for years, like, you should try yoga. And I'm thinking, nope, not doing that. And um, she brought yoga into that facility with a bunch of us patients. And um, and again, I was at a, I was at an open-minded state where I had kind of like thought I would let go of some things that I didn't, um, that I'd been holding on to and, and be open. To. So my prayer life at that point was, was very not powerful and it wasn't very, um, even existent quite honestly. Uh, but I, I did that yoga with her and it was a, a change immediately. I could chant. It was incredible. The breathing, the whole process was like, I'll never forget it because I, I thought, wow, this is a connection. This is a real connection to something greater than myself. And um, so she had mentioned where she went to study and um, I made a mental note of it. So when I got out, my wife and I planned a retreat, um, a weekend retreat at this, at this yoga institute down in Florida. I think it was Salt Springs, Florida. And I, I can't remember the name, but it, I went, we went there and it was like, you know, 
immersion of into yoga into meditation into it really was the first time that i've i was made familiarized with centering prayer or meditation where where i sit comfortably and quiet my mind and relax and breathe and connect um and even though i'd i'd been i talked the meditation talk for a number of years i didn't know how to turn my mind off and i and nobody had ever taught me that it's a process that I'm not going to be good at right away and that it's yeah. okay to be terrible when I first start. And if I only, if I sit for 20 minutes and I get 10 seconds of calm or 15 seconds of calm or a minute of that, that inner tranquility, that's okay. That's worth all the other minutes where I couldn't stop the brain from just going and going and going. So that was kind of my introduction. And when I got out of there, I committed to, um, the process. And for almost a year, I woke up at 3.30 a.m. every morning without an alarm clock. And I, w I woke up excited. And I did 75 minutes of yoga. And then I meditated for 20 minutes. And then I, um, I would read and I would journal and then I work out and I would walk my dog. And I did that for, like I said, almost a year. And my morning routine today is very similar. It's 4.30 a.m. today. Wow. Some days I do need an alarm clock, but um, I don't do yoga, but I do meditate right away. I read, I journal, I pray, um, I work out, and then I walk my dog and I connect every single morning. It's how I start my day is connection. And I, a lot of it's through gratitude. And I wake up and I instantly you know, get into the mindset of gratitude. So I've shifted my mind from, oh no, what's going on today to thank you for another day alive. Thank you for the breath that's in my life. Thank you for my family, my home, my dog, my, you know, everything and anything. I have a good friend that says um, he's grateful for the air in his tires. And I thought wow. when I first heard him say that, I thought, well, that's silly. But, you know, if you've ever had a flat tire, all of a sudden, <laughs> I know. It's, well, it's a lot of the things that I was that I take for granted that I get complacent about that. I try to focus my mind back and center myself. I love your work and especially your book. Um, this is living because it helped me to remember that I can meditate and center myself in any activity that I'm doing. So I can practice the presence of God in brushing my teeth, in walking my dog, in anything I'm doing. Um, and it's a, it's a mindfulness that it's a habit that I like to, so I'm, I'm big on habits. And I think that, you know, those have really helped propel my spiritual life forward because when you wake up every day and you start every day with the intentionality of seeking God and okay. centering prayer, it's really hard not to have a great day, you know, and, yeah. and even when things don't go my way, I'm able to look at it from farther back and, and be okay with, um, kind of whatever happens and be a lot more accepting of other people, what they say and do, what they don't do. And, and it just, my life's gotten progressively better. I feel like it's on a upward spiral and it's gained a lot of momentum and all of it centers around the spirituality of my life and my mm -hmm. lifestyle. Wow. Dan, amazing. Amazing. I mean, I, you know, and even like neuroscientists, they say too, it's how you start your day is, is how your day is going to go. And, and I wake up with, and also they say, the more you practice, the more it becomes you, right? Not just the people you're around, um, but also your practice. And I wake up and I say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let me be glad and rejoice in it. And then like you, 
I'm saying a few things that I'm grateful for. And again, they say it is so important. It changes just that little habit alone changes your life. Um, and when you were saying, you know, only 30 seconds in 20 minutes, I, but if you didn't do it, you didn't even have that 30 seconds. And again, that expands. What you practice expands. Absolutely. And um, I remember Thomas Keating, Father Thomas Keating is, you know, the kind of the father of the Christian centering prayer, which in my mind, meditation and, Christ, and centering prayer is, if not the same, very similar. So um, there was a nun who came to him and said, Father, I can't do this prayer. There, there are 10,000 times that, that I'm distracted. And Father Thomas Keating said, how wonderful. That's 10,000 times to go back to God, you know, and that's, that says it all. That's perfect. You know, yeah. it's, there's no distraction. There is nothing that doesn't belong in this kind of prayer meditation. It is always about, you know, breathing in and knowing. And, you know, Dan, you brought up the word mindfulness. And there's so many ways now, um, whether you're Christian or Buddhist or you're agnostic and you're practicing mindfulness, it is all the same. It's about not being totally involved with the ego. And our friend Anne said, you know, I love myself, but I'm not in love with myself. And that's a big difference. Uh, I think so. I'm not in love with myself, but I love myself. So I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be connected to everybody else, which doesn't mean I'm not taking care of myself, right? But I'm connected to the higher good, the greater good when I meditate. And it's more easily done during the day when you start the morning like that. Right. right. Yeah. My, my mind, and I've read a lot of that the neuroscience and stuff. I'm really intrigued by the, the recent work that's connecting the scientific world with the spiritual world and how they're finally, for the first time ever, they're starting to actually have like real proof that connects that. And um, one of the things I really, really love is the, the work that's been done as far as the brain activity early in the morning and late at night and studying, you know, the melatonin and all the different things that factor in that make it easier for us to come to that place of calm, that centering prayer in, in an early morning, you know, place or, or in the evening or both, you know. And so, yeah, I love that. And I, I think your work is very complimentary to a lot of that stuff as well. So. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, this is my passion, you know, is bringing meditation into the Christian world. I mean, because we have a long tradition in Christianity, you know, whether it's Brother Lawrence or the Desert Fathers and Mothers. And I, um, I, I would really love to help, or I do help people to see prayer in a different way, that prayer is not only talking to God, we also have to make the room and listen, listen right. to God in, in what other people say, because God is in other people, as you say, God is in the trees, in the wind, you know, to make the room and in our breath. I mean, we, the Holy Spirit, we're breathing in the Holy Spirit. And so co just connecting with our breath during the day is this calming, this becoming present and knowing, you know, it's a beautiful world and somebody and some powers out there holding us. And, um, it's, it's a beautiful way to live, and you're so inspiring with it. Uh, all you do 
Dan, is there anything you want to still share with us and, and, and tell our audience and our friends? Um, I would just maybe a word of encouragement or, or inspiration for anyone listening that I think that we, one, we all are very much so connected and you, and you alluded to that, that we all have so much more in common than we do that separates us. And when you, when you seek to identify those things and resonate with those things, those come, it just grows. And, and I feel so connected, more connected today to other people than I ever have before. Um, and I think partly, partly due to the fact that I, I don't watch any, any news, I don't watch any TV. And I think, you know, some of the messages we get from that aren't, aren't super helpful in that regard. They don't resonate within me as true. So I, I try to develop that. But I would encourage people that we all have a story, you know, and mine is, is really no different than anybody else's. It's just, I do have a willingness to be vulnerable and authentic today and share myself uh, in hopes that it will it'll help somebody else. But I think a lot of men, uh, maybe they're a little bit more reluctant to be vulnerable or be authentically true to who they really are and share themselves in a way that might help somebody else. So I would encourage everybody that took the time to watch. First, thank you for listening and thank you for, for um, tuning in to the message. And, you know, moving forward, I think God is going to place um, people in your path as he does all of us. And some of those people are people for you to help. And some of them are, are people that will help you. And in most cases, it's mutual, you know, and the people yeah. that I learn the most from, it's a mutual relationship where we both benefit from getting to know one each other, to know each other better. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to be who you are and don't be afraid to find out who you are and let open your mind up to the idea that we are all connected. We are all one and that there is a very, very powerful spiritual um, presence that is always occurring and always has been, always will be. And it, you can tap into that at any point in time. And there's a stream of well-being that flows to us and through us that connects us all that, um, that I've used to kind of help me get to where I'm at, you know, and I would like to think I'm going to continue to use it to get me to where I'm going, whatever, wherever that may be, you know, and I'm open to that as well. So. Wow. Wow. I don't even want to say much anymore because <laughs> the only thing I want to say to this is amen. Amen, Dan. That is wonderful. Wonderful. And again, um, well, thank you for sharing your story with us. And I, you know what I feel right now in my spirit is that this is not the last conversation we'll have on Zoom. We'll, we'll like maybe in a year we'll share again. Okay. Uh, it, it definitely won't be the last conversation we with the two of us have. But thank you so very much. And thank you. Um, thank you. Vulnerability, yes. And um, I hope a lot of people, and I know a lot of people will, hear your message. Thank you, Bettina. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Yep.